Welcome to the Pretty Intense Podcast. If you could just take a quick second and hit subscribe, I would appreciate it very much. Uh, The thumbs up also helps. Today on the show is Christina Lopez. She is a life coach, a spiritual teacher. She is an author and she has a background in neuropediatrics. So she has a really good awareness for the mind, the body, the connection, and, and really how to process things. I've been watching her on YouTube for a long time and she has a lot of great content. She really explains how when she had her spiritual awakening that it was something that she tried to justify from this clinical mind of like, okay, I'm having a psychotic breakdown. And so she explains that story uh, really well. You know, her background is, is, is science and it's like the practical, the accessible, the tangible and she was broken open into this spiritual world of so much more information than what we can see. So the first thing I asked her to do was to explain what is spiritual. I, I truly like think this is one of the one of the best episodes I have done about spirituality and about the process and the and the and the way that we experience it and what we go through. It's super comprehensive, super accessible, and. I, I've watched and read a lot of lot of stuff when it comes to spirituality and the process and the and I've experienced a lot, but I learned a lot today. You know, if I can come away with even like one thing that I've never heard, I always feel like that was really cool and interesting. I'm so grateful for that experience. But there was many things today. Christina is just uh, a really helpful teacher, and so anyway, I hope you love this episode as much as I did. I I I, I think it's going to be super helpful for a lot of people in their in their journey. So please let me know what you think in the comments. Enjoy the episode. If you've been following me a while, you know that I've been drinking AG1 all year. No matter where I go or what I do, if I'm at the racetrack, if I'm in Europe for six weeks, no matter what, I'm drinking AG1 every single morning. When I started drinking AG1 daily, what I noticed was that my gut health improved. I could eat so many different foods without it bothering me. My skin has gotten better. My hair is healthier. So many functions that everybody wants to get better got better. It's so awesome. And I've been bragging about it so much that my friends and my family have also started taking it and they love it as well. AG1 is the supplement that I trust to support my body's daily needs. And that's why we have been partners for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, plus five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash pretty intense. That's drinkag1.com slash pretty intense. Check it out. Have you been in Portugal for a long time? I was raised in Portugal. My parents are Portuguese. And so I have dual citizenship. Um, But I was in the U.S. for many, many years. And then I came back in 2014. So I've been living here since 2014. I was in New York City. I've been looking into like how to get a passport, an EU passport. And Portugal is actually top of the list for like the easiest. If you want to, if you don't have any descendants, which I found, I have some Sicily blood in me on my dad's side. So I was like, I'm going to try that route. But Portugal is like one of the easiest countries to, to get a passport. But one of the tricks is I read like the, the fine print of the few things you had to do. And one of them is, and you have to be able to take a test in Portuguese. Oh, really? And I was like, oh, that would be better start learning now. (laughs) I'll have to get your advice on where to go in Portugal then because it's totally happening. It just 
Oh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it's an amazing Southern. Country. Do I go Southern come. or more North? Isn't like the beach, beach places more Southern and then go everywhere. It's such a small everywhere. country. Oh, literally rent a car and just go everywhere. But yeah, South, there are beautiful beaches literally everywhere. It's not just the South. The South, the Algarve region is very crowded in the summer, uh -huh. but it's got beautiful stretches of beach. But there's just, oh my God, there's so many beaches and just so much to see. You got to come to Lisbon. Lisbon's amazing. Uh, there's so yeah. much. I love it. And then I might pair that with like Morocco. Ooh, that's good. Maybe like San Sebastian, Morocco, <laughs> Portugal. That feels that's like amazing. a good loop, right? <laughs> that's an amazing loop. Yeah. I just recently saw it was on Instagram. It was like, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, Condé Nast or something like that, a traveler's journal kind of thing. And it said that the number one food city is San Sebastian. Oh, that's have you been there in Spain? No, no. Yeah, they have like I've the traveled quite North. a bit in Spain, but not there. Yeah, yeah, it's on the north coast. It's like most Michelin star restaurants or something like that. Wow, the foodie in me gets very excited about that. So, um, anyway, <laughs> enough about enough about that stuff. About, enough about the dreaming, but you know, the dreaming's all <laughs> part of life. So, I've been watching your videos for a long time on YouTube, and you know, you have so much content and. It's so, so helpful for so many people because um, it, it's I feel like we're living in like a very interesting time. I think it's a great time to be alive, but it can probably be very confusing for a lot of people. And I think the fact that you have so much direct experience with what you're teaching and what you're helping guiding guide people through, it makes all the difference to have fully lived it. So I kind of thought it'd be interesting instead of sort of just diving right into like spiritual awakening and all the facets of it, because I was thinking, I was like, hmm what is spiritual? Cause I'm like, okay, spirituality, religion. And then I'm like, but what is spiritual? So I thought I would like just break it down and be like, what is spiritual and what is awakening? Yeah. So to me, anything spiritual, really, when I use the word, I'm just referring to anything non-physical, uh, some, you know, things that you cannot perceive with your traditional five senses. That's what I would consider spiritual. Uh, some would call that, would call that quantum. Quantum physicists would probably hate us calling that quantum. So I won't do that because <laughs> they do not no, like No, they're the just given different words. It's totally the same thing. Like quantum yeah. entanglement, you know, you're like, can you explain that? And they're like, well, not really. <laughs> Give it a cool name. Yes. <laughs> so to me, spiritual is just anything non-physical, anything that exists that cannot be perceived with the traditional five senses. We've got more, but with the traditional five senses. A spiritual awakening, the term, that term, there's many definitions. The way that I like to look at it is a, a spiritual awakening is when you whether spontaneously or through some kind of event, most commonly through some kind of life altering event, which is what happened to me and what happens to so many millions of people. Something happens in your life, car accident, you know, diagnosis, near death experience, whatever it is, something really shakes the foundation from you. And suddenly you start to think, there's got to be more to life than this. And that question to me is what triggers a spiritual awakening. There has got to be more than this. And as soon as you open that door, you know, there's got to be more than this. What is there more? <laughs> that gets you down into the rabbit hole of, of, you know, starting to uncovering different layers, understanding, really just letting the spiritual awakening embody in you. 
just, I, I see it kind of as these doors that just start opening, you know, like spiritual awakening is some sort of, of passcode and then the doors open and then you walk in and you just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and as you go, more and more layers are revealed to you, you know, about the world, but also about your life. I think mostly spiritual awakenings, they have consequences, outer consequences, but for anyone who's within the spirituality, that's where spirituality is different from religion. It's in the, the, the concept of direct experience. So religion is more outwardly directed. So you have a book out there or you have a priest or you have an imam or you have a rabbi, you have some sort of authority figure interpreting a text or interpreting a string of thought. And in, in spirituality, it's all about direct experience. It's how do I perceive spirit? How do I feel it? How do I experience it? How do I experience it? There's no books are needed. No, you know, um, books and videos and all the stuff that we do is helpful but it's not really needed in the true, true sense of what, of what spirituality is. You know, it's a very inward focused journey. Yeah. Well said. That's so true. Talk about that ineffability because it's re it really does feel like that there, when you have a spiritual experience or like, I'd be curious to talk about plant medicine, if that's been a part of your mm -hmm. practice or your world, it has, or yeah. it's ineffable. And there's, and, and to me that those things help with the embodiment, because until I actually have a visceral experience, it's just thoughts, you know, it's kind of just the matrix yeah. still, but embody means, oh God, now this is literally is it's the isness of things. It's like, no, yeah. like, you know, yes, the trees are alive because they've talked to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it takes, it takes a while sometimes, you know, to, to me, it takes practice, practice in really trusting yourself beyond those five senses. The, the brain is so wired for those five senses. The brain is wired to perceive the outside world, the out part of the outside world. I mean, not just, not just an extremely limited sliver of reality at it, as it exists, but even that reality bombards the brain every day, but only a minute amount of that sensory information actually reaches conscious awareness. So the brain is not just a perceiver. The brain is a master filter of reality and it needs to be because otherwise we'd go insane, right? If I were sitting in a cafe eating lunch and I could hear my own chewing and I could hear every single person in the cafe talking and I could hear my friend talking in front of me, I would go insane. So the brain really does need to be a master filtering organ. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but the the experience of you really needing to practice beyond those five senses is it, you, nobody could do it for you. It's such a direct, direct experience that you have to feel in your body. And there's an example that's coming to mind right now. When I started, you know, I had a, a, a spiritual awakening in 2013, 2014, I had a spontaneous Kundalini awakening, which I didn't even know what the hell was happening to me <laughs> when I had a Kundalini awakening. I didn't have a guru. I wasn't practicing Kundalini yoga. I had no idea what the heck Kundalini was. And I was just sitting in meditation and I felt the snap in my, in my spine and up comes Kundalini and I have no idea what's going on. My body started to move in very involuntary movements and I'm a clinician by training. So 
my clinical mind immediately started, wait a minute, these are voluntary muscles. I should be able to control my body. Let me try and stop it. And as soon as I tried to stop the involuntary movements, I thought my body was going to snap in half. And I very quickly said, let's not do that. So I just kind of let myself move in this kind of wave pattern. And so that was, you know, kind of one of the many phases of my spiritual awakening that lasted about six years, that main spiritual awakening. And I remember that after that, I started to perceive and sense the spiritual world very quickly, very easily. And one of the things that I was perceiving, I was receiving messages and I could directly channel, I could hear, not with your ears. So hard to explain this. It is. Not it's so ears. hard to explain. It's a so no hard. Right? Like it's like telepathy. Yeah. Like it lands in the mind and you just know it. Like it's like, and there's no yeah. time lapse. It's not like, it's not in linear time. Like it is here where it's like, I am talking to you. Here is what you're feeling. You arrive with the yeah. whole, like the whole thing comes to you, right? Like, yeah. And it, and it, to me, to me, it was hard at the, at the time because I was, you know, again, clinical mind, I started channeling and I remember that it was sort of automatic channeling. So I was speaking, although it wasn't me. So I remembered I had the intuition one day to grab a recorder and start recording myself. Oh my God. And yeah, it was super scary. It was True. a super yeah. scary time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I started You're like kind of cool, session. but I sound like psycho. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So I started to record the sessions because I didn't really remember much afterwards once it finished. So I did this for a while. And then I remember my mind was just freaking out. I'm like, okay, every day I'd sit in meditation and I'd say, well, it's quite possible that I'm schizophrenic. I'm having a psychotic break. It's not common to be diagnosed so late with schizophrenia, but it's so all these things are going through my mind. And I was really getting stressed. And I remember asking my guides, you know, I need proof. I really, at this moment in my life, I need proof in the 3D physical reality for me to be able to trust that what I am receiving is correct and I'm not going insane. And I remember I, one of the, the entities or the spirits that I was channeling was a little girl. She was like around four. And I remember I came to, um, I went traveling and I was sitting in a park here in Portugal and, um, and I was sitting there and, and this little girl passed right by me with her grandpa. It looks like, looked like her grandfather, an older man. And they went to the little pond and I just looked at her and I thought, wow, she, she looks like, just like the little girl that I oh, channel. She's a little four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember looking at her thinking, wow, she looks just like her. And they went off and I just continued my day and I'm sitting on the grass and pretty soon I, I look ahead and I see this little girl coming up to me and she literally came up to me and she just stood in front of me and she had something behind her back and she just pulled it. And it was like a little wildflower that she had caught in the park and she just gave it to me. And I, and, and her, and meanwhile, I look over and her grandfather, this older man that was with her is looking at her like, what the hell are you doing? You know, like, what are you doing? And he kind of called her and she didn't really listen to him. She was just focused on me. And, and she just gave, she didn't say a thing. And I said, thank you. I, th I think I said something like, thank you, princess in Portuguese. And she just said, you're welcome. And she left. And that was it. That was the interaction. That's all you needed. And and it was incredible because right before I left on this trip, I asked for this specific guide to materialize physically. The young for one. Me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's how powerful, you know, now, of course, a few more years into the spiritual awakening and, and more that I discovered, 
children are very sensitive to spirit. So it's very easy for a spirit to go up to a child's ear and say, hey, go give, go give that woman a flower or something. Yeah. And they'll do it. They don't question. But at that moment, it was so important for me to be able to feel that what was happening to me, what I was experiencing was not a psychotic break. I wasn't crazy. I was actually tapping into an altered state of consciousness. And that's what it felt in my body. And I had to trust that. And so this, you know, long-winded story to show that there's no way to be able to train that in you other than through direct experience. You have to feel the particularities of, of what it feels like to connect to spirit, to connect to the other side, you know, to connect to the non-physical. And sometimes it's hard, you know, I work with so many clients who have a lot of difficulties trusting their intuition because they don't even know what the heck intuition is. And so we kind of have to start from scratch, like what is intuition? What is intuition? To me, intuition is a bit different from how it is studied scientifically. So intuition is studied scientifically as a subconscious phenomenon because we're still very mind dominant. Um, and so even intuition studied in the scientific community right now is as a mind phenomenon. I don't view intuition at all as a mind phenomenon. I view it as a heart phenomenon. And this is in line with, with uh, the pretty much every shamanic tradition on the planet, if you if you go back far enough, they all talk about heart intelligence and how your heart is this incredible compass. And that's where that's where that initial intuitive ping comes into. It comes to your heart. Um, your heart has its own little mini brain. It has its own, you know, uh, dozens of thousands of neurons are located in, in your heart. They look like neurons, although they're outside of the brain. So the heart has its own mind and its own consciousness. And it receives that first intuitive ping. These neurites, these sensory neurites, as they're called in the heart, receive that first intuitive ping. And the heart is incredible at receiving that ping from wherever it's coming from. Sometimes it's your higher self, which is a component of you that exists outside of time space. So it is you, but it's not, it's you beyond the human you. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes intuition can come through uh, guidance from other uh, guides of yours. So intuition can hit the heart in various forms. It can be your own inner knowing too, but it always pings initially at the heart. And from the heart, then it goes up to the brain for interpretation. So that, but that initial ping is what's, it's so important for people to know that that initial ping comes into the heart because then you'll be able to know that moment and everybody can sense it when they've had a clear intuitive ping because there is no mental involvement whatsoever. Mm. No mental involvement at all. It's just bling, I need to do that. Yeah. Oh, why do I need to do that? I have no idea. Is that like when you ask somebody like, do you think you should quit your job or something like ask them a big question, right? Do you think you're in the right relationship? And they kind of have like, an, like, don't delay, just answer first. Is it like that brain is the first answer? It's the one without the mind interference. And it like, is that the ping you're talking about? Or is it more of a body feeling where you get like, your gut feels uncomfortable or you feel anxiety or you feel tense or you feel opening? Like, is it more of a body thing or is it more of like first instinct? Pure intuition that comes into the heart that pings at the heart is emotionally neutral. So that's a great way to spot a genuine intuitive ping that has not been interpreted by the brain yet. It's emotionally neutral. So it's clear. It's like ping, 
There's no, there's no fear. There's no, there's no excessive emotion because that information has not gone up to the brain to be processed and then creates a story and then creates emotions. <laughs> so it's very, very clear. Yeah. It's a feeling you can even, you can call it that it's a feeling and it's a, it's a clarity. It's a pull. Your body definitely feels a pull to do that. And it's a pull that no matter what your emotions tell you or what your thoughts tell you, it'll keep going. And the common example I have of this is I work with many women who are exiting relationships or have exited relationships because they have had a spiritual awakening, the partner hasn't. And there's this complete just, you know, parting of ways, right? The timeline split. Uh, you cannot force anyone into a spiritual awakening. You can't drag them along with you. And so there's a lot, especially a lot of women, I work mostly with women that are exiting relationships right now. And it's really interesting because I'll work with them for a while and I'll say, you know, so how are you feeling? Oh, I, you know, I know that this relationship is ending, but I haven't received yet that ping or that clear as to when. And then suddenly one day they say, okay, it's now. And I'm like, well, what happened? I don't know. I just woke up, I sat up in my bed and I knew it was today or I knew it was going to happen soon. And what is that? What, what, what happened? It's them trusting the timing of the universe and also the timing of their own soul, knowing when things need to be done at what time and at what pace. And that clarity, that clarity it can't be rushed. You know, sometimes people say that intuition is that first thought that you have or the first answer that you give. I don't know that I agree with that. Um, I don't know that I agree with that because your subconscious mind also operates extraordinarily quickly. And so it, it's, it's, it, the subconscious mind is mind boggling actually, because the subconscious mind is already answering before you have, before your conscious mind has finished listening. Isn't that insane? Like that is so insane. The subconscious mind is already answering before my ears have finished listening or my conscious mind has finished interpreting what my ears are listening to. Got to be picking up a frequency then. It, like if you're, if you start to communicate something and you're, I'm telling you something, I'm coming from a place. So I don't even need to finish because there's a frequency with my information and you can tell if it's true or not. And you can tell if it's, you know, you can, there's yeah. a lot in there. I, I'm a really very fascinated by frequency. And I think it directs pretty much all of our experiences, but that, that would plug in to make sense there. You Absolutely. Absolutely. Huh. And so what I, what I usually tell people is especially th there's a, there's a little side note here and it, this is especially true with people that have suffered trauma and that have still trauma embodied in their body, which is pretty much all of us, right? Like yeah. all of us, if, if you listen to anything that Dr. Gabor Mate talks about, oh. it's, it's that literally yep. everyone is traumatized in this world and we just have not been able to to give words to what trauma actually is. We all think it's just something has to be something like related to war or related to something really big Rape, and we don't or realize. a car crash or yeah, 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 yeah. Dramatic and obvious. And but it doesn't, it doesn't because trauma is subjective to the experience of the person. And especially if you have experienced trauma, your body is hypersensitive to stimuli. It's already on edge. It's on edge because there are things that have not been healed. It's not calm. The nervous system is not completely calm. And in order for you to tap into intuition, you've got to have a calm body 
pure intuition requires a calm body because how are you how are you going to receive that subtleness of the spirit world if you yeah if you are freaking out or if you're restless or if you're stressed or if your mind's buzzing and so what i tell people is you know there's no hurry you don't have to answer that question right away sit with it breathe into it calm your body into it and so what that does is it removes any kind of trauma response that the brain may have wanting to fire an answer quickly. You know, like going back to the relationship one, um, you know, you're in a toxic relationship. Do you want to leave this relationship? Well, you know, he's a really good guy and he has good days and I think I'm learning some lessons. What is this? Is this intuition? This is not intuition. But she answered that really quickly. This, you know, fictional person that I just made up answered that really quickly. Well, it's not intuition. Sit with it. Sit with it. Breathe into it. Really contemplate. There's no rush with intuition. You don't have to get everything done right now. You know, like this, all of us templated with this excessive masculine energy, especially us Americans, you know, like got to go, 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 do, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. And this really prevents us from, from breathing in and slowing down and, and really connecting to that part of us that needs to receive that intuition. And it, it, we don't need to be in a rush, you know? I feel that. Like, I feel that with even small things, like um, a decision to do something or to uh, book something I want to do, or like I have felt into you're giving words to something that I've um, been experiencing more and more, which is, and giving and and being more at peace with, which I am that go, go, go. Like I literally drove hundreds of miles an hour. Like I, I have lived a very like regimented, fast paced, masculine life. And so the, what I want to explain is like this feeling of when I'm ready, when that ping happens, when, okay, now, then it goes really easily. Like, and it seems like it's right on time. Meaning like if I would have done it earlier, I wouldn't have had all the information to do a good job with it. Or, you know, maybe the puzzle pieces fit better now, or, you know, maybe something popped up that I should be doing instead. And I'm glad I didn't plan that because I would have felt bad or I would have had to cancel, or I would have said no to the other thing that I needed to do. Like, it comes in a lot of ways, not just even relationships or really, really emotional things, but just like the planning of life. Does that, yeah. does that feel like yeah. it makes sense? Absolutely. This, Absolutely. And especially, you know, like, especially for you and your life and your career and where you're coming from, it's pretty funny because this is like, you are literally learning how to slow down from racing, yeah. right? Like, isn't that incredible? I had no idea how fast I did everything. I, I didn't, I, I know it sounds so stupid, but, um, it's everything. I think fast. I walk fast. I drive fast. I move fast. I make decisions fast. I, there's nothing I, I cook fast. Like I, there's nothing I don't do that I don't do fast. And so it's an ironic challenge in my life. <laughs> I live a lot of duality. Well, but you, but you, but you moving fast, it's not necessarily negative, right? Like it's, it's a part of your energy. The question is always balanced. Like when, where am I at my natural speed? And maybe your natural speed is way faster than, than most people, you know, like maybe that is your natural speed. But then again, here comes the feeling. It's the feeling of I went too fast 
for my normal speed. Even for my normal speed, that was too fast. And I suffered some consequences. You know, maybe I was impulsive and then, you know, that backfired that decision or whatever. Or, you know what I mean? Like it backfired in the way that you, the universe never punishes you, but backfire in the sense that the universe always says, hey, <laughs> you know, like maybe next time you know, course correct just a tiny little bit. I've had to do that work too. You know, like I'm a double Sagittarius. I'm a Sagittarius rising. Love you already. Oh my God. Sagittarius ascendant also. So I have a lot of fire energy. And so over the years I have really had to, you know, balance, balance, because when you have a lot of fire energy, it's wonderful, but you can also yeah. burn down the entire forest, right? Like fire is great. Too much fire is really bad. And so, you know, I how do I double Aries with like everything in the first house? So I'm like, <laughs> Aries sun and moon with like a stellium in the first house, including Mars, which is the masculine. <laughs> I like, I'm all fucking fire too. I get you. Girl. <gasps> oh my God. So yeah, it's been this, it's been this balance of knowing how to slow down when you need to slow down, but also respecting your energy and respecting your nature. And maybe you are more fiery. Maybe I obviously am more fiery than many people. And that's okay because that fire energy certainly comes in handy for a lot of aspects of my life. And so it really is kind of this, this balancing, you know, just getting the right balance for you really. Life is always helping you do that. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, that brings me to a question I, I'm curious about because it's something I find I can do. I, it has to do with energy, but there's a lot of people that struggle more with it. And I spell, I feel like, especially if they have a very empathic nature and they really am, am like empathy for feelings and really take it on. But what can people do to protect their energy? Because we're totally going to get into the awakening and like the phases and everything. But in preparation for that, how do you protect your energy? Because I find that that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. So the way that I teach about empaths and sensitives is I've, I've actually stopped using certain words that are common in the, um, you know, in the community of empaths. And one of the reasons that one of the words that I don't use anymore is protect, because as soon as you use the word protect, there's an implication that there's some kind of weakness or fragility there that needs to be protected, you know, kind of like an innocent little baby that you need to protect or, you know, a sensitive flower or th there's some kind of sensitivity. There's some kind of sensitivity, not sensitivity in, you know, like the really powerful sensitivity that I can feel everything, but sensitivity in the, in line with fragility. And so the way that, and when, when you use the word protect, there's the way that I envision that is that the energy is encroaching on you and you need to put up some walls of some sort. That's what protection feels like to me. It's an energy that is encroaching and I have to, you know, and Maybe so I need to figure out how to break the walls yeah. down. <laughs> and so, yeah. So that misdirects the energy in my opinion, because you, when you say I need to protect myself, you are internally telling your body that you are weak or that you're fragile in some way. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I like to work with sensitives and empaths, myself, including, I had to learn this on my own. I'm an extreme physical empath. So I actually somaticize energy in my body. And so, yeah, it, it's, it was a little trippy initially when I was learning how to do this. And so the, the way that I learned how to do this and I work with clients now is it's not protect, it's project. 
So you protect yourself by quite simply walking into a room. And if you don't like the energy, you dominate the energy, you literally project your energy out. So think about it in terms of a living fire. So if I'm a walking, living fire, what's going to happen if anything comes up against me? burn it down. It's literally going to burn. So if I, if I walk around with that, and again, this takes practice, right? Like this is a, this is a practice that's very, very coordinated with the third chakra, the solar plexus. That's your center of personal will and power. And, and that's the center of your individuality. You as a separate being in this world is coordinated by that solar plexus. That's your sun. Top of the stomach right before your sternum starts. So right that top of the stomach below your heart, uh, maybe three inches below your heart. So as soon as your chest bone ends, there's a hole there. That's where your solar plexus is located. Right. Because it's a good, good to know where it is because there's a lot of feelings that come into that. And now people know. Yes. Oh yes, that's your center of anger. So this is the fire. This is the fire chakra, your center of anger. Uh, it's a beautiful, amazing chakra. It's an unusual chakra, but we can we can talk about that in a little bit. But just to complete this thought, it, when I I was in New York City, you know, ten million people in Manhattan alone. I lived in Manhattan. I'd go in, I'd go to a bar, and and literally, I would always have my plan. I was so sensitive. I didn't want to talk about it. I wasn't particularly spiritual at the time, and what I would do was I. I would walk into a bar. My friends never knew I was doing this, but I would always look for exits. So either a bathroom or where's the exit? Because if I started to feel overwhelmed, I'm out of here. I am totally out of here. So notice what I was doing. I was assuming that I needed to get out of there. Why did I need to get out of there? Because the assumption is these people here in this bar, their energy is stronger than mine and they are encroaching on my energy and I need to run away. So many empaths do this. They run away. They run away. They run away. They, they say, I got to go live in a cabin in the forest because I can't stand people. And that could be true for a very small amount of empaths, but for the majority of sensitives that are on this planet, we're actually here to change the energy. We can't do that if we're in the middle of a forest being afraid to confront or to stand in certain situations. And so my training with my guides was really very simple. I walk into a room if I don't like the energy and don't like the energy, meaning it is heavy, it is dense. Um, it's, you know, I mean, think about it, the energy of a bar, you know, like everybody's drunk. It's invasive. It's uh, inappropriate. Yep. It's yeah. sloppy. It's so all of this, all of this energy. If I walk into a room and I feel that it doesn't matter if there's one person in that room or a thousand people in that room, I will dominate the energy in that room. And, and so, so do you see the difference? Do you see the energy yeah. difference here? I do not need to be protected from anything yeah. at all. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's different because now you're projecting it's this, this energy is, it's so give me out. Cause it's really, I get this resonates. I, I, I feel like it's, I, I, every now and again, I'll practice it where I go in with a feeling like I, if I'm using a specific example for myself, like, especially like a feminine energy, like a soft, like loving, like almost sexual energy. Like a, like if I go in and, and like, it's amazing the, the magnetism that that has and the reaction that that gets. So it's like something that I want to cultivate more because of my past has like formed me in a way and it served me, but it's time to kind of evolve and grow and soften and slow down. 
And, um, and so I'll go into the, like, I'll, I'll like arrive with that energy. Like I'll be thinking about it and embodying it and feeling it. And then I just sort of let that go. Is that what you mean by projecting an energy or is it, how do you get into the space where you can project what you want? It's a little, it, it, I can feel the energy that, that you're, that you're talking about. I can feel that energy. It's an amazing, delicious energy, but it's not the same. It's a specific part of your feminine energy. That's a whole other conversation. It's a specific part. Oh of my your God. You're going to be my therapist after this. Because <laughs> guess what? Feminine energy is not always sweet and soft. That's what's taught. What's been taught in a very patriarchal, masculine, dominant world. The feminine is not always soft. There's a, there's, you know, that's the mother, what I call the mother Mary facet. That's the softness. That feminine has been more accepted in our collective for a really long time, but she is not the only one. Kali, have you ever worked with Kali? No, but my, my, oh. my very dear friend who, who does ceremonies and she's like, your dark goddess, your dark goddess energy. And I was like, okay, thank you for like honoring an aspect of me that like is able to channel the intuit, like have intuition, have feelings and be able to cut through like with like a, the sharpest knife with what needs to be said and done. Yes. And a lot of times people mistaken that for masculine. So they think that masculine is that masculine. So Kali is, is for, for your listeners that don't know who Kali is, is a Hindu goddess. Mm -hmm. She is known as Kali the destroyer. So Kali is an energy that literally when you call on Kali, she comes in with her sword and she is traditionally depicted as having a sword in her hand and she has a decapitated head of a demon in her other hand. That's literally, if you look up Kali, that's what she looks like. And that represents is she slays the demons, meaning all demons of your ego. She destroys everything in your life that's not meant to be there. That's why sometimes people do not like to work with her because she comes in, you call Kali and she's like, all right, I'm going to clean it up. <laughs> and that's a really, but do you see how different that is? Yeah. So what you're saying is I walk into physical spaces and I'm holding more of a sexual, maybe even ISIS energy. There are so many facets to the feminine. You're going to. Yeah. Gonna I work with ISIS. Heart. I work with ISIS, yeah. ISIS, Ma'at, um, not really Sekhmet, but more of the Egyptian sort of yeah. um, goddesses. But I think Kali needs to come in because that feels like very close to home with what my energy does. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it's mm. necessary. And if people don't like to use the archetypal, don't like to talk about feminine energy in terms of archetypes, then we can always go into the animal kingdom, you know, and the, the example that I love to give of that facet of the feminine is a lioness with her cub. So if a lioness has her cub, you're not going to play games with her. I don't care if you're the biggest, baddest lion in the freaking Serengeti. You will not try and touch her cub and see what she does to you. That's a feminine energy. Interesting. Because we like to think it's a masculine energy, but that is not. That's a feminine energy. It's just a different facet. So feminine energy can be very fierce. So, but following your story, I want to ask you a question so you can feel the difference. So you walk into a, a room with this, with this, you know, like with your natural energy, it's maybe a little bit sexual, maybe it's a little bit flirty or whatever. And that would be what I project. That would be what yeah. I, that would be what I project. That's not my natural energy, but that okay. would be something I'm trying to like, do you okay. want to know more about my Let's natural go with energy? It. Let's go with it. Let's go with your example. So you walk okay. into a room with this energy and let's say someone that you're not particularly interested in starts hitting on you. Mm -hmm. 
What do mm-hmm. you do? I'd probably receive that as like, I, I, in that situation, I would understand and it would make sense. And I would be like almost giggling inside like, oh, wow. Okay. I did. <laughs> what if it gets to a point where it's inappropriate hitting on you? I am excellent at knowing how to exit. I am very good at managing situations and um, having a lot of bandwidth for banter. Okay. So So feel very comfortable. I would be fine. Okay, cool. Cool. So when you're that energy that we just tapped into right there, where I said, what if the hitting on you gets to a point where it's starting to get annoying or it's starting to get unwanting or or it's starting to really like impose that person's energy is imposing on you. Mm -hmm. That's the energy of the solar plexus that Mm -hmm. now needs to project out. And when you said I exit the situation, did you mean I leave or did you mean I exit the situation as in I'm very direct and stopping that that energy exchange? What did you mean by exit? I would know how to walk away. I would know exactly how to exit okay. the, the, the face-to-face situation. Okay. Okay. And so here's a, here's a, something for you to practice next time, because this will, you'll, you then you'll understand the difference and that solar plexus strengthen. You don't need to exit. The other person can exit. What if you were there first? Why would you need to exit? And that's the energy, the energy, that's the energy. The energy will is. make them exit. Yes. Of course. Yes. Of yes. course. Even more. Yes. You're going to make me even more like. Yeah autonomous in my like being that makes perfect sense because the energy doesn't lie. God, there was this one time I was in Europe. I was telling you I was in Europe and there was this guy that kept coming up to the table and he was like wanting us to buy something. We were in Rome and everybody's like, he just was really persistent. And I just looked at him and I went, and he walked right away because I was like, basically I'm going to fucking knock you down if you don't walk away. And all I did was look at him. All I did was look at him. That right there. That is the answer. That's that's how empaths protect themselves. What you just said right there. That is exactly what it is. You didn't need to speak a word. You didn't need to. You literally stood there and that third chakra just went. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> he didn't even say anything. He just went. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and and that is sometimes hard, especially for women, because we are templated to exit situations, especially if we're approached by aggressive men. Because it's always on us to exit. It's always on us to get ourselves out of sticky situations. And what this does is, hey, buddy, if it's a man that's inappropriate hitly hitting on you, hey, buddy, inappropriate, not interested thanks. You know, I'm just going to continue drinking my drink. You can go off your merry way or you can go in that direction. Well, you were walking in that direction. You can keep going. So that's so cool to try, like for those listening that find themselves in situations that they're not, they don't appreciate or like, or something like, or they want a different energy to just like feel it for yourself and see if you get the reciprocation or not. That's not right. If you get the reaction in you get the right reaction to your energy. If it's a leave energy, see if they leave. If it's a, if it's a, you know, open up, like, like, you know, be a little bit more open and vulnerable, like see if that does it. Like if you want something a little bit more sweet and sultry or sexy, you know, oh, that's such a great test. Like that's such a great spiritual test. 
It's a different perspective for empaths. And, and I think this helps shift people. It helps shift mindsets and heart sets and energy also, because people start to understand that as extreme sensitives, they are not here to run away. They're not fragile wallflowers living in a harsh world. They're supposed to be here and they're supposed to be here precisely because they have enormous energy systems. Sensitives have very big energy systems, very big. You know, the, the, the quintessential example that I love to give, I was raised Catholic and I love to, I still identify very much with master Yeshua, with Jesus, uh, with what is called Christ. And because it, his life is so well known throughout the world, I use him as an example a lot of times, because even if you're not religious, you understand what, ha you know, what happened to him. And he really is the quintessential example of sensitive is not weak. Nobody looking at an image of Jesus dying on a cross can call, can say he's fragile. He knew exactly what was going to happen to him and he kept walking towards Jerusalem, but he was incredibly sensitive. And that's why people came by the thousands to listen to him talk. And it was sensitivity that healed. His sensitivity just literally changed the entire energy grid of a specific geopolitical location within the Middle East, but also in the world, right? And so imagine that's one sensitive okay, a sensitive that was a master also at the same time. <laughs> but we're all Exactly. But one, and that means that all of us that are sensitives, we really are like superheroes, energetic superheroes, you know, like, and if we learn to see ourselves that way, we don't have to peel it or run away when the energy is too harsh, or we don't have to cower energetically. We don't have to put up walls to protect ourselves. So this is a little bit of a different perspective, but it does take training in that third chakra to be able to project this energy. It's kind of like a heartbeat. I can feel it like a heartbeat. It's this constant boom, boom, and it just projects out in front of you. You know, you know when you throw a rock in a lake and it just ripples, it's that ripple. You know, your energy, when you are walking around in life, your energy is rippling in all directions depending on your energy system oh, size. Yeah. This feels like almost like a bit of a phase, an, a, a later part of the phase, because it feels like there's also this part where you have to figure out that you are taking on other people's energy or yeah. you are, and that can be confusing. I think Yeah, I've only experienced it a couple of times. I, I, I and I'm curious a little bit about anxiety too, because I, the, my, my, the, three or four times I've experienced anxiety, I took on a feeling in my body that, I mean, I couldn't decide if it was mine a couple times. And then like the first two times I didn't know the second two times I'm like, I don't actually, the first time I didn't know second time I didn't, I, I was, I knew it wasn't mine anyway. So like half of them, I was like, not mine. What is this? The other half, the other two times I was like, I'm overwhelmed. I have no idea what's going on right now. And so maybe like, how does someone start to have some sovereignty over their, their set point or their emotions based on somebody else? It's, it's really simple. If you're feeling it, meaning let's get a little bit more technical. If you are feeling it and it's registering in your body, it's already past the quantum levels of you. So it's already past all layers of your aura, your electromagnetic field. It's already past the layers of the chakras and it's already registering inside your body in the realm of matter. That's the only part of you that's made out of matter, your meat suit. 
So as soon as it registers at the level of the body, it has penetrated enough that now it's safely yours. <laughs> it really is yours. And, and, and there are a couple of reasons why it's so important to understand this. One is because you are sensitive, you are a living fire. It means that if it registers inside of you, you can very easily say, this is mine. And I now process this in all directions of time immediately. And there goes your living fire. So does it really matter if it came from Joe or Mary or whatever? doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. Now I'll tell you why people use the, I don't know if it's mine or if it's someone else's. Very commonly people will use this as a trick to bypass uncomfortable emotions that they do not want to deal with inside of them. Have you ever heard anyone say, is this mine or is it theirs having to do with any positive emotion? Nobody ever says, nobody says, oh, I'm feeling so much joy. I want to get rid of this because this ain't mine. I got to figure right, out if this right. is mine. Nobody right. says No, that. I'm a miserable person. This is not mine. I'm not normally <laughs> like this. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So you see what I mean? We only say you can't this own one and not the other. Yeah. 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 So we only have this saying of, I don't know if it's mine or if it's theirs when it comes to uncomfortable emotions and feelings. Some of them may indeed be coming from Joe or Mary that you were just hanging out with and you went to have a coffee and they just projected all of that onto you. That may be true, but again, it already registered in your system. It's yours, you know, process it and then move on with your day. Mm -hmm. But well, no, just deal with it. <laughs> exactly. But the question, is this Joe or Mary's or is this something inside of me that I do not want to see, I don't want to sit with, I don't want to acknowledge, I don't want to work with? This is really common. Yeah. Yeah. Really, and really I common. I think it ends up being, I'll go run away to the woods. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll go run away with the wood to the woods because now I'm not surrounded by all these pesky people with their with their dense energy. Guess what? You're going to go into the woods. And if that was yours and only yours, you're still going to feel it. Yeah, <laughs> you are still going to feel it. You may feel it less for a little bit because the natural world is amazing at making us feel better and just really helping us in all ways. The natural world, animals and plants, they're not great mirrors because they are are so unconditionally loving. <laughs> right, you're not right. going to get a mirror out of them. You are not going to get a mirror. You're not going to get a dog coming up to you and being nasty one day. You're not like they, they just sure. animals and plants just love us unconditionally. So they're not great mirrors. They are just great, juicy, unconditionally loving energy that just like a warm blanket. When I say mirrors, I mean, we need mirrors in the 3d reality to show us the work that we need to do within us. Cause we cannot see these, these eyes, these eyes are great at looking out. These eyes are not great at looking in. And so that's where the mirrors come in, usually in the form of human relationships, you know? I was just having this conversation yesterday with someone about um, the mirrors that are all around us, but um, it was actually with Nicole Para. Have you heard of the holistic psychologist? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I love and her work. Why is it that it's in our romantic, intimate relationships that they do the most work? Why is that? We can get it from our friends and our family and things like that, right? But like, 
like family can get pretty close, but you know, heartbreak and like relationships that what is it about that relationship that makes it so powerful for the mirror to show us something that's oh my god this is a this is a whole this is a conversation that could last us forever there are a couple of things going on one of them if you are talking about a genuine soul heart-centered connection that's a connection that is primarily the connection is at your heart with the other person. Okay. So mediums who can see energy can actually see these connections by these beautiful cords that are established. Mm -hmm. There's a connection mm -hmm. between your hearts. Mm -hmm. These are what I call soul connections. So these are genuine, pure, very high vibration connections. Then we've got the connections where you cord in your lower chakras. These mm. are what some spiritual teachers call karmic connections. Mm. These are connections that come into your life to teach you lessons. You don't have a heart cord with them. Where's the twin flame cord? I was going to ask you about uh, all that. But you just said soul yeah, yeah. and karmic and the other one's <laughs> twin flame. So if you want to include that in the, is it like an entire yeah, yeah. body rope? <laughs> I stopped, uh, I, st I stopped using the term twin flame because it's it so much baggage associated with yeah. it. And because primarily because I started working with many, many clients who thought they were in a twin flame connection and they were in a karmic connection and they were just being abused and they were in just horribly toxic relationships. Yeah. And because of this stupid label called twin flame, they kept staying there and just being miserable. So I stopped yeah. using that term, yeah. uh, but I do still have older videos uh, on the twin flame connection. I've watched I all of them. I look back, oh, cool. I was looking back at like, I was looking back at all the, uh, those are old. <laughs> I know. Well, I've looked like in my research, I go like, look at the newest stuff you've done. I look at the oldest stuff you've done. And I look at the most like highly rated stuff on YouTube. And, um, as I'm scrolling through the various different sort of like ways to look at things, I was like, oh yeah. Phase like part one. Oh yeah. Part two. I watched that part three. I watched that too. <laughs> I don't even remember when, but I've watched them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but that's, that's really the reason why I stopped calling it a twin flame. So yeah, it makes sense. Me, I mean, it's, it's like, seems like something you want. You're like, oh, this seems so rare. Why would I let this go? It seems yeah. so special. Don't they know? Like, oh, it's supposed to be hard. There's, it, it seems like something you should want or like valuable in a way and magical maybe. And really, I think, you know, it's probably a very good idea to like, because language is important. Language is important. And at the end of the day, the label doesn't matter. That's what I have learned over the years. The label doesn't matter because what, what happens with a twin flame connection or a very sacred soul connection is yes, on a vibrational sense, you are like two peas in a pot. You know, like some people say you're the same soul split in two bodies. I, you know, like that's not how it has been shown to me, but Suffice it to say that you and that person have a, an incredible energy resonance. You're like two pieces of the same puzzle and you just fit together. You, you are those two pieces that fit together energetically. But here's where things get complex. You can be someone's twin flame and on a 3D human level, they are not in any way, shape or form ready for any type of relationship with you. And at the end of the day, we are in human form here to experience a human existence. And so if you have Joe in your house, I don't care if he's your twin flame, if he is treating you like shit day in and day out, 
what does that say about the work that you have to do within yourself? And so that's why the label doesn't even matter because I ask people more simple questions. Are you well treated? Are you respected? Are you cherished in this connection? Even when things get really difficult, really, really difficult, are you having vulnerable conversations? Are you having adult conversations? Do you have your three chakras, the three lower chakras? Um, healed? Have you been doing work on that? Because if you are in this world to have a sacred connection of that magnitude, whether it's a twin flame, a soulmate, whatever you want to call it, if you are in, on this planet to have a sacred soul relationship with someone, you better damn be certain that those three lower chakras are worked on because otherwise you are going to mess it up. And why the three lower chakras? First chakra, that is the, that chakra is the first one to come online in your mother's womb. That is the chakra of here I am on this planet. I deserve to be here. <laughs> I am on this planet. It's that, that chakra of security, of stability, foundational security. Second chakra, super important chakra, not just sexual. A lot of people talk about it as the sexual chakra. It is. It's also the chakra of bonding. If your second chakra is messed up, you will bond inappropriately to partners. This is where the codependent, childlike type of, you know, oh my God, he's talking to a cute girl. I'm so jealous. Second chakra. You see, like all of this. And then third chakra we've already talked about. This is me. You know, I am really powerful, unique, amazing being, and I deserve to be here. And I also set the rules of engagement on what I accept and how I accept to be treated and how I want to be treated. And I'm going to say those rules of engagement really clearly. And if Joe or yeah, oh yeah, if Joe or Mary don't understand them, then hi. You know. So at the end of the day, does it really matter if it's a twin flame or not? It doesn't. The 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 labeling doesn't matter. The the Mirrors, though, are intense, absolutely intense. And one of the reasons why that mirror is intense, going back to your original question of why, the, the genuine soul connections are mirrors because that person is literally like staring at yourself. And that could be really blinding, especially if you don't want to see certain aspects of yourself. Imagine you don't want to see certain aspects of yourself, and then those aspects are just staring you in the face every day intense, intense mirror, because again, that person is like you in another body. People can, uh, that's an easier way sometimes of thinking about it. Think about yourself in another body looking back at you. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, I, there's a lot of things that I always feel like I have to like be able to like really picture it and really feel it. And that's, it's, it's like, it's a lot because it, it breaks the, it, it doesn't follow, um, it doesn't follow science. It doesn't follow biology or logic. You know, it's, it's and and that that mirror, you looking at yourself. That's the the sacred mirror of a sacred connection. Not only are you looking at yourself, but that collect connection is very close to you. It's very close to that heart center. The closer the connection is to your heart, the more it will mirror. So. Even my mom, my dad, my brother, my friend, my whatever, they're, they're still at a little bit, I can love them very deeply, but there's a little bit of a distance here. 
a romantic connection comes in very, very, very deep into this heart chakra can the sacred type, the karmic connection comes very close, mostly because of, uh, of cords that are established in those three lower chakras. And I don't know if you've ever been in one of these connections, but it's the connection of, oh my God, I'm in love and I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person. Oh my God. And then a month later it implodes. You know, you, you kind of like also then have to talk about the aspect of narcissism and like, like, I think that can get very confusing because that, that has a similar feeling where it's like, boom, and it's very explosive and it's sudden and it's the huge and, you know, your soulmates, as you think, or you're like, you know, meant to be and where have you been my whole life? And then all of a sudden yeah. you're like, what happened? Um, you know, it, it gets very confusing to know sort of but the even, difference between all those things. Even the, it doesn't even, even matter, the, right? Because it's just the feeling. That's what you're trying to yeah. say. Is that who cares if it's narcissist? Who cares if it's karmic? Who cares if it's twin flame? It doesn't cares? matter. Yeah. How's it going? And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the 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 narcissist piece sometimes plays. I like to talk about the 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 chemistry, the spiritual chemistry of what's actually going on in a karmic connection because. People will say to me, how the hell did I get into this? Like, literally, how did I get into this? You know, because now looking back, there were so many red flags, so many red flags, so many red flags. And now I look back and I'm like, what? But at the time, what was happening? It's really cool that the soul does this. This is this is insane and very cool. So your soul establishes various possible karmic contracts down here before you incarnate because the soul knows that those are very good teachers, very good teachers, karmic connections. And so let's say you're going about your life and your soul's like, hmm, you, there's one lesson you have not integrated. All right, here we go. Let's call on karmic number one. And then comes karmic number one. Now look at what happens. Do you think that if your intuition and your inner knowing and your heart chakra were working properly, you would let that karmic come near you? You would you know, because you can feel no. that like you're because when no, time no. and space is not part of your reality, you know this isn't working. Yeah, yeah. So we won't be a match. Like I would think that if you knew and not a match. You're a match. If they're there, you're they're a match to you. Which is temporarily the, which is kind of the sad temporarily. part. Temporarily. Yeah. Hopefully temporarily. I know. I know. That's actually a good point because some people can't stay with karmics their whole lives. Yeah. But the, the spiritual, the energy aspect is really interesting. The karmic comes near you and what your soul does is your soul temporarily veils your intuition. That's wild, isn't it? Your soul will temporarily veil your intuition. And this is why people say, I look back on that. And it's like, it's like I was in la la land. I, I, I was, I was living in this parallel reality and I don't know how I did not see this, but at the moment it felt like genuine love. I was so in love with this person. Your intuition has been veiled and then the three lower chakras get corded by the karma. Oh. And so now you're corded at those lower chakras, especially the second mm. you're corded and now you're bonding, but mm -hmm. because you probably didn't have really good examples in your parents, the first examples you had of a relationship where your parents and the majority of us have had, you know, like very few of us have had that beautiful ascended parent relationship with yeah. each other. A lot of us have the first example that we have of love. Or 
Yes, very common. So now that second chakra is programmed with mommy and daddy or mommy and mommy or daddy and daddy, my caretakers relationships. And I program that in my second chakra. And if it was a codependent, immature love, I'm now going to bond with this karmic in that way. And woohoo, we're going to feel like we're really in love mm -hmm. until shit hits the fan because it always will with a karmic. That karmic is in your life to teach you lessons and to help you heal if you yeah. see those wounds. And then eventually, then what happens? You learn the lessons, you're doing the work. And then the soul goes, yeah, okay, she's or he's ready. And it pulls the, the, the veil out of your intuition. Yep. And then suddenly you wake up and you look at that person next to you and you're like, I need to get the hell out of here. Like, this is so clear. I have no idea how I'm still with this person. I'm almost thinking? a bit disgusted by this. Yeah, yeah. What was I thinking? What was happening? And it's a little bit of an aha moment. And I've worked with so many people that go through this phase where they're like, they know, they just know. It's just that knowing. You may not be ready to follow through on the knowing yet, but you know that that is not the right person for you. What happens when you don't leave, they leave you and you can't get over them? Oh my God. Sometimes they will leave you because obviously these are two beings that are interacting and maybe they, for whatever reason, their soul or their body is finished with the interaction and they move away. Even that is a lesson. Mm -hmm. Even that is a lesson. That's an important mirror. Wait a minute. Someone that was treating me like shit walked away from me and I can't get over them. Let's review this again. Someone that treated me like shit walks away from me and I can't get over them. I should be over the moon, freaking screaming, thanking the universe to please have exited that person. Yeah, the, the, I, the, the universe says like, I heard conversations that you didn't, the universe. <laughs> you know? Exactly. But what is that showing you? So many bonding wounds, so many abandonment wounds. The primary bonding wound there is, again, I bonded with this person as a child. I have established a parent-child relationship with this very common in adult relationships, unfortunately. So if mommy or daddy or whoever walks away, the child is left like in the state of anxiety, right? If you leave your child somewhere and you just walk away, they're going to freak out. That's literally what's going on inside of you because you were relating to this survival. person as a child. As a child, it's survival. Like they literally, yes. that's how you have a roof over your head, food on the table. Yes. Like it is survival. So when they leave, you are dying because they, you identify with them like as a parent yes. or from those yes. sort of like bonding chakras where- you that it, it feels like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so then what ends up happening is if the person gets it, you know, let's say, let's say we're talking, you know, I'm, I'm assuming all of your audience is spiritually awakened, right? You talk about these amazing topics. So if the person, that person exits and they immediately start to do a review because you should be doing a review if your relationship, as soon as your relationships fall apart, get a journal out and please start reviewing because if you don't review and correct and learn the lessons, Joe Schmo is going to show up right in front of you again in the form of someone else. Same shit, different day. It absolutely will happen. So I always tell people, please review. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so if you start to do that, take stock of that connection, you start to realize, wow, you know, like I related in a really immature way. I was allowed my, I was allowed to be, uh, treated poorly. I was treated like crap. Never submitted child work. Yeah. And so then there comes the work. And if you focus on those three chakras for anyone, anyone who is having difficulty disconnecting from an unhealthy relationship, three lower chakras must be your focus, particular focus on the second one. For people that are on their own and they're like, look, I, I have uh, this, this shit's hitting home. I know I probably need to do three lower, these lower chakras. Three lower chakras. Uh, always, always start in the staircase mode. The chakras develop one after the other, like like uh, the rungs of a staircase. So you can't. We're, a lot of times, the the mistake that's been made in spirituality is to f- everybody wants to focus on the upper chakras because everybody wants to right be to like, the pineal gland. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Crystals and connect with the. <laughs> Exactly. And meanwhile, I say to people, can you please be careful? Because if you start focusing too much up here and your lower chakras are not grounded, you're going to be like a big tree without roots. Guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to tumble over. Demons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then people start to hallucinate and be, go crazy and say they're seeing demons and they're seeing God knows what. Why? Because you are not grounded this might be really good recommendation for people that want to do plant medicine to start with the lower chakras first, right? Like if you can weave some of it about, cause it sounded like maybe you've done some of that. Like I work with ayahuasca and let me tell you if I had not done grounding work, you know, like plant medicine is incredible. Plant medicine is very powerful. Plant medicine has to be used with a tremendous amount of respect Oh yeah, and with a tremendous amount of inner work prior to using these plants. That's my recommendation on that. But going back to your, to, to the chakras, lower chakras, start with the first, then move to the second, then move to the third. You can't correct an upper chakra without the lower ones being corrected because they develop in a staircase. So the mm-hmm. first one develops in utero. So by the time you pop out, your first chakra is already fully functional. And then it goes up as you're, as you're, you're going into your toddlers, into the four, five, then you go up to the second chakra and now you're bonding with your caretakers. And then you get to the pre-adolescent stage and that's where that third chakra comes in, your sovereignty. And you start to say, I want to wear, I want to go all goth. I want to wear these, you know, this is me. That phase of that pre-adolescence when they come into their skin and they're trying to establish their own identity, that's the development of the third chakra. And so if you're 40 or 45 and you're like, well, I've already passed those ages. So how do I go back? You just, you don't follow it by physical age. You follow it simply by that going to right to the root first chakra, doing some work on the first chakra, under grounding, 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 grounding in any way that you possibly can. Then to the second chakra, bonding, bonding, bonding. How do you bond with others? And usually what I tell people is forget the sexual part of the second chakra because that's a more advanced use of the second chakra. The more basic use of the second chakra is bonding. How do I bond with others? Do I bond in a healthy way or do I bond in this really anxious, attachy kind of way, you know, where like if someone stops talking to me, I immediately start to feel nervous and I want to text them right away. What did I do wrong? 
Yes, yes, yes. People understand this energy. It's that restless energy that if someone changes their behavior, you start to freak out. That's a really unstable second chakra, really childish and unstable ch second chakra. And so we go to the second chakra and then we move up to the third. And some of the exercises that we talked about today about projecting your energy out, being confident. I, I do this every morning. I, uh, I stand in front of my window, one of my windows faces a sunrise. And as the sun's coming up, I just do a prayer slash meditation slash intention. And I just literally reach above and I call for father, God, energy, masculine coming from above down. And I ask that energy to imbue my lower chakras with self-confidence and power, the power of the masculine energy. And then I go down to the floor and I call feminine energy, mother God energy from the bottom, up my body, up my body, also imbuing me with the same energy, self-confidence, power, but of the feminine facet. And then I ask them to join at the heart. Do this every day. I love this practice. I love, love, love this practice. And, and, you know, there's so many others that you can do for those three lower chakras. And if people, you know, people want to check out my videos, I have a bunch of videos on lower chakras and solar plexus and all of that. And that's how you start. Is there any correlation between the chakras, what those lower three being what we're sort of like living with here on earth? That's kind of our experience and the dimensions and how this is sort of like 3D and you transition quickly through four to five and then it ascends, right? Is yeah. there any correlation to the dimensions or not? It's just an idea. Some, somewhat, somewhat. Um, what I like to correlate the chakras mostly with is with uh, levels of consciousness, which you could say are exactly the same thing. Because <laughs> if we're, levels if we're of trying to evolve and grow and like expand our consciousness and transcend yes. to a different reality, then we can't be stuck down here. Yes, yes, yes. And we go through the heart. We have to go through the heart and we have to ascend past those. But essentially meaning that, you know, the planet needs to heal. We need to heal those lower three chakras yes. before we can fully ascend as, as a planet. Absolutely. And, and again, if you just follow the, the theory of the ladder, the little st one step at a time, then everything works out perfectly wonderful for you. Not wonderful in the sense that, you know, bad things won't happen to you anymore because that's impossible down here, but wonderful in the sense that now you're really starting to develop your energy appropriately and balanced, really, really balanced. And it's starting from those lower three chakras. Yeah, you're correct. Each chakra has a level of consciousness. So you can think about them almost like mini brains. Uh, in Hindu, Hinduism talks about chakras as wheels. I don't see them as wheels. I see them as floating suns. That's how they appear to me. And so if you think about a chakra, like a little mini brain <laughs> with a personality, each chakra has a personality and a different level of consciousness. The higher you go up on these chakras, the higher the level of consciousness until you get to the heart. And I know this is controversial because uh, are coming the, the, the knowledge base coming from the East is saying that higher, better. And I identify more with shamanic tradition, which is middle, better <laughs> heart. 
So to me, the heart is the most evolved of all of all of our seven main chakras, which is really interesting. So it's like the chakras go like this. Almost like the masculine feminine. I look at so many things in like a fractal um, parallel nature. Like there's just so many ways that things apply and like you're able to overlay so much and go, oh, this is kind of like this. This is kind of like this. It's almost like that's the masculine coming to the heart and the feminine getting out of the ethers and coming down into the heart and meeting for like this alchemical marriage of the, of yourself. Yes. And the heart is the great connector. The heart is where everything integrates. So think about it. If I have a, does it really matter if I have this amazing, an example, a, a, a sad example. We've all seen examples of gurus. This has happened, especially with men that then sexually abuse their followers. How does this happen if these beings are extremely evolved? Well, some people say, well, they're not really extremely evolved, but they are in some respects. Some of these masters or gurus have extremely developed upper chakras, extremely developed. This is why they can access psychic abilities. They can access all of this. Their lower chakras are horribly imbalanced and that's why they are immoral and unethical. And so what the heart does, that's where everything integrates. So the heart says, oh yeah, right. Look, psychic abilities, that's amazing. But psychic abilities by themselves create really horrible people. So we need psychic abilities with the grounding of mother earth, with the information that I'm getting from the lower chakras, we need psychic abilities, but we also need a sense of self from the third chakra and a sense of bonding from the second chakra. And then everything gets to the heart and it's integrated. Being psychic doesn't make you a good person. At all, at all, at all, you know, like it, exactly. It makes, you can be very powerful. And, and this is what I tell people all the time, you know, like if you ever encounter a guru with highly developed upper chakras and poor lower chakras run the other way very quickly. <laughs> right. No more than having grounded lower chakras makes you psychic. That yes. doesn't work either. That doesn't mean, that yes. doesn't mean you are. Yeah. So yeah. It Just having the lower direction. chakras is not going to help you either because then this yeah. is a person that can't access their intuition. They can't access the spirit realm. So it's it's almost like they're half dead. They're really, really stuck in this earth plane and they cannot access the other side. This is someone, this is the other extreme where the person may have really solid lower chakras, but then the uppers are, are not there, you know. So it's it's got to be, it's the heart. It's got to be a balance and an integration of all of it. What do you think our, our, our purpose here is um, as human beings going through this life and what's the point of it? And what, if we had a call to action in this experience, what would it be? We're all here. We all have different missions and different purposes at any specific lifetime. This is a very prized reality to incarnate. There are billions and bazillions of souls waiting to incarnate in this reality. And the reason is this, this reality of matter is rare, of physical matter. I wonder why we can't find the aliens. They're there. We just can't see them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So the, 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 
uh, reality of physical matter is delicious for the soul because there is such a huge difference between the ethers where that soul is and then the soul having to descend its vibration, descend, 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 descend to come into a physical form. That is such a profound difference in vibration. And the soul loves this. The soul loves to evolve in this way because this, this reality of matter, reality of duality, white, black, up, down, hot, cold, this is a really important form of the soul being able to evolve. Now, in this reality, of course, the soul has to descend so many levels of consciousness to come into physical body, and then we are born with an ego that shields us from who we really are, the veil of forgetfulness. It's one of the features of this reality. When you incarnate in a reality, you have to, you have to follow the rules of that reality. One of the rules of this reality is the veil of forgetfulness. The majority of people that incarnate don't remember their past lives. They don't remember who they are. They don't know who they are. They think, oh, boom, here I am. I just, you know, I was born and that's it. Really strong veil of forgetfulness that is important for the soul's continued evolution. Right. Because if you knew, it wouldn't be a lesson. If you knew, you wouldn't be sad. You'd be like, it doesn't matter. We live forever. Or like, oh, I see the dynamic. We're just learning lessons. It's cool. Like your soul is a badass. You know, like you'd never worry. You you wouldn't be like, nothing would happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, And unfortunately, in a reality of this density and in a reality with so many egos and with very strong veils of forgetfulness, there's a lot of horrible things that can happen down here in the physical form. And, you know, it's, it's, kind of the nature of this reality. The nature of this reality is being able to tap into really high, beautiful, miraculous states of consciousness or being able to tap into really low, painful, horrible states of consciousness. And we're each creating that inside of us, you know, heaven and earth. Heaven isn't a place. It's a, it's a consciousness. It's a state of consciousness that you can access now or not. Hell is not a place. It's a state of consciousness that you can access now. And a lot of people are accessing hell right now, even in physical form, you know? I mean, I don't know if you want to, but to speak to, obviously there's so many like gruesome murders going on right now in, um, in the Middle East and, um, you know, it's unthinkable. And so I think for a lot of people, we wonder why on kind of the the big picture is that there's ascension of the planet occurring the vibration is changing vibration is changing very quickly and we have to follow the vibration of the planet and she is ascending she's evolving she's moving really really quickly and if we don't follow her we can't stay here and when there's an ascension process occurring there's a lot of shaking it's like um the the example that i like to give is like a tank of water a tank of water that's been still for a really long time, everything settles at the bottom and the water looks crystal clear. But then you shake it and all of that stuff comes and then suddenly crystal clear water is brown. And you think, what the heck? It was there. All of that soot, all of that dirt, it was all there. It was it just settled at the bottom. And that's what's happening now. Like the whole planet is shaking. And all of our shadows all of our hatreds, all of our, the things that we hate about each other, the things we hate about ourselves, all of the templates that we were born with. And that's what's happening in the Middle East and literally everywhere. When we take form in this physical body, we take on templates 
from the countries we are born from, in the religions we are born in, the cultures we're born in, the parents we are born in. And so we take on these templates and that can be really difficult to heal. And so speaking specifically about the Middle East, there's the, the template of religion, there's the template of geopolitics. And religion, religious animosity has really created so much violence on this planet. So much. Supposed to be the most peaceful thing, right? And it's created the most amount of war and deaths. I mean, this is just templating. Fortunately, there are millions upon millions of people that are having spiritual awakenings right now, some of which is happening within religious movements, which is amazing because you cannot change religion from the outside. You can try, you can push against religion and kind of force it to transform. The best transformations in any movement occur from within. And I've worked with many people who are still religious and who love their religion and they love the principles of their religion, the energy of their religion. They no longer love the misinterpretations of their religion. And what's happening in the Middle East has a lot to do with misinterpretation of religion and what it's causing, you know, on both sides. And we just, I, you know, sometimes I can't really even watch news or watch images because it's, it's very painful for me. Um, but when we are veiled and when we forget that we are all connected and that we all, all come from the same place, I don't care what religion you are, we all come from the same place. And until that truth is, is really stuck inside of us, until the, the truth that if I hurt another person, I am hurting myself, nothing's ever going to change, right? Yeah, and that's clearly not embodied on any level with the people that are able to do what they're doing to others. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard, you know, like it is hard because I know that these templates are really, really strong. This, these are really complex issues, you know, like uh, the example of the Middle East that you brought up. These are very complex issues on one side. Uh, you know, Palestinians are saying this is our land. You know, we were here. Then on the other side, Israelis are saying this is our land. And again, land, religion, these are very strong, strong templates. And so, how do you come to peace with that? Well, those templates have to be shed. Find your own land within you. Find your own like home, like, you know, that's outside of you. It's calling for, uh, uh, for sovereignty instead of the solution being outside of you. Like, oh, if we get this piece of land, everything will be better. That never is the solution. The solution is never outside of you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, unfortunately, temporarily, there are a lot of people that are suffering on the planet because of this, uh, you know, lack of, of consciousness and conscious awakening, but everybody is awakening in one way or another, you know, and, and a lot of people, um, unfortunately are dying in the middle of all of this chaos, you know, like this really powerful, chaotic and very painful energy. And I always tell people who work with me, um, to, you know, never turn your eye. Cause some spiritual people do that. Like they'll just stay in there, you know, I'm going to go meditate on a rock and connect to whatever five dim fifth dimension. And I'm going to not even, there are actually a lot of teachers that say, you know, just focus on what you want and forget everything else and ignore everything else. 
I'm of a different perspective, you know, like I think light workers are here to help transform the planet and we can't transform the planet if we just keep looking the other way and ignoring what's actually happening to so many million people, millions of people that feels unkind to me. And that feels like a very closed or undeveloped heart if a person can do that, you know? So to me, there's a lot of bypassing occurring in spiritual communities, especially when it comes to the harder aspects of life. You know, people are dying really horrible deaths on this planet. And what it's, it's still, the, the solution is still within you, right? Because we all awaken, we're like little lights. We all start waking up and lighting up. And then suddenly the, we help the, the vibration of the whole planet and we help others. But at the same time, the awakening within, it can't get to a point where you become self-centered and you're just focused on yourself and you can't see your neighbor just fell on the floor and you just walk right by them. That's, that's not an awakening to me either. That's bypassing. So there's this balance of, and it's not easy. It is not easy. You know, like I, I wake up and half the time I'm like, you know, I really would love to be in a little cabin in the middle of the woods and never speak to another human being again. I would literally be so happy. I would be happy. Fellow intro introvert in me gets it. <laughs> I would be so happy with the animals and the birds and the bees and the trees. Perception's reality. I see nothing. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so part of me would love that, but then there's a strong part of me that knows that I'm here in this lifetime. I've done that in different lifetimes. I've been the hermit. I've been the shaman at the edge of the village that, you know, people would only call on if they really needed them or whatever. I've done the solitary lifetimes. And now my soul has been very clear in the directive that in this lifetime, you're supposed to help people being immersed in people. My guides call it living in the trenches of life with everybody else. That's what I'm supposed to do here now. And it is not easy. Because your soul came ready with that, ready to be able to. Yes. I listened to, uh, I went to Burning Man. Have you ever been to Burning Man? Oh my God, I want to go on my bucket list. I'm going to go. Good. It's really, really magical. There was a talk that a guy was giving and he is a, uh, I believe he was like a, he wasn't a physicist, but he was more like maybe a some kind of like he worked with machines, but he had a lot of like um, quantum, maybe he was like a quantum physicist. He might've been a quantum physicist. And um, so there's all kinds of very interesting people that do talks and he was doing a talk and we were all able to ask questions. And so I asked a question about just sort of like, it feels almost like there's like a separation, like there's, you know, it's, you can't even like, I can't even understand the way that some people think and the way that they live and the and the decisions that they make or the way that they're able to be persuaded or fall into propaganda or like not questioning authority or things, you know, I just, it seems so hard to understand, like, will there be a split? Like, how does it happen that, and he basically just was like, everyone chose to be here. You just, you chose to be here right now. This is all an experience we all chose to be a part of. And it's like, Instead of going like, that's not mine, right? Looping back around at the beginning of the conversation, that's not mine, is you go, no, 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 no. This is what you came to experience. Like, we're all here to experience the spectrum. And the spectrum is pretty wide right now. But that, I mean, you know, from plant medicine, it gets even wider, right? Like it goes even more and there's more information in it. And there's just, you know, we're getting more of that. We're finding out more, we're finding out more about ourselves and other things and experiencing more and more of the extremes. And 
I thought that was like a, almost like a comforting thought of like, oh, it allows you to be able to sink into it a little bit more and go, I'm here for this. Yes. Yes. It is. It isn't always easy though. (laughs) Right. 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 But instead of thinking I don't belong here, you know, so me, especially very, you know, esoteric feeling people, they're like, nah, this isn't my planet. This isn't my home. I don't belong here. It's like, but you're here. Exactly. This isn't mine. You're like, but you're feeling it. So it is yours. (laughs) Oh yeah. yeah. All the ways that we creatively try and bypass and justify and, navigate our way to feeling no pain, right? It's pretty magical, but and powerful, but can be empowering. And I think the more that you come into your power and you really come into your skin, not not into your skin as like a, a puny small human, but into your skin, your multidimensional skin, you know, mm-hmm. human soul skin, then these things start to get easier in the sense that you don't really have to bypass anymore because you're not afraid of anything. Bypassing only occurs when I'm afraid of confronting something. Or if you want to use a less charged word, I'm afraid of seeing something within me. Once you come into your power, there's nothing really to 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 be afraid of, and it's one of the the mantras that that I said from the beginning of my spiritual awakening. I give full permission. I will not stop until every single stone of my inner world is turned upside down and, and, and I'll just keep going, you know, just keep going. Like I, you know, speaking about intuition is kind of one of the first things we talked about too. And I was, I tell Jen, my producer, I'm like, I always have a feeling about like how much I need to prepare, how much the questions will get followed that I come up with. And, or like, I just knew coming into this one, I was like, I wasn't, I was just like, I think it's just going to flow. Like, I, I don't know. There's such a wide spectrum of spirituality to go like, where do I go with this? And I'm like, I I mean, I, you know, I have, I do what I normally do in preparation, but I just knew I was like, I think it's going to, I think it's just going to be interesting and we're just going to flow with it. And exactly what we did. (laughs) I mean, I had some questions, but for the most part, this like, you know, it was one of my favorite conversations about spirituality that I've had. And so thank you you so much, Danica. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.